Alright, welcome back to uh, part two of the series. We're going to be discussing Hashem, the very first habit. I guess if you came back, you want to hear more. So, uh, first of all, this year, this year is sponsored for Shalemah Eli Sheva Basora, and also sponsored anonymously uh, for somebody for his children to go out to B'nai Torah, Ovdeh Hashem and Yerushalayim. So, I want to start today's um, first habit. This is the very first habit. It's an incredible, incredible habit. It's the source of everything. It's the foundation of everything, as we will explain. And much of what we explained last time at the introduction, you'll understand why very much this is the very first habit and the foundation of all the habits, which is the foundation for working on ourselves to become better people, which is obviously the goal of this entire series. This is an introduction. Stephen Covey, when he introduces... This uh, habit, habit number one, which we'll get to the name and why, he starts talking about self-awareness, which is a very, very Jewish topic. And uh, he talks about the idea about what mood are you in? How are you feeling? And he explains, as we're going to explain in the next few minutes, that we are not our feelings. We're not our moods. We're not even our thoughts. But the very fact that we can think of these things... That's what separates us from them. And let's explain. So, the very first habit he calls being proactive. That's the first habit of the seven habits. Be proactive. What does that mean? So, we're going to define it. And some of the things I'm going to say may sound like they're being repetitive. But really, we're trying to explain them in a very crystal clear manner. Because if you have this idea clear... The rest of the seven habits, the rest, six, rest of the six will be even clearer and easier, obviously, to implement as well. This is the foundation of all human development. Anybody that wants to improve himself, anybody that wants to become a better person, and as we explained last time, this is the core of becoming a better person that improves all relationships, whether it's with yourself, whether it's with your wife, whether it's with your children, your parents, your workmates, or anyone. So this, this principle that we're going to discuss today is the foundation of all human development. Now... If you ask somebody, what does it mean to be proactive? How do you define the words proactive? So people say it means, you know, be active, do something, you know, be pro... It doesn't mean that at all, and it goes a lot, a lot deeper to how we're going to explain it. To be proactive, and as I explains, we're going to explain it in a few different levels and a few different ways. To be proactive means that whatever situation occurs to me, every experience that happens to me, I take responsibility to respond in the correct manner. In a nutshell, that's what it means to be proactive. It's completely the opposite to reactive. Reactive means to not react at all, to not take any responsibility at all. Okay, and again, like I said, I'm going to make this very, very clear. I believe by the end of today, you'll have a very clear picture of what I mean and how it affects all of our lives, all of our lives. So to be proactive means that I take responsibility because I choose how I react. I decide on appropriate response. Reactive means a a person is completely controlled by the situation around him. So in other words, because I depend on the situation around me, so I take no responsibility because it's not my fault. It's the environment. It's on the situation that's around me as opposed to me. Okay, you can see, it's going to get clearer and clearer why this is the core of human 
um, development. So, you know, you ever met a guy who says, I'm in a really bad mood, the weather is so bad, I'm in a bad mood. I'm just, I'm just in a bad mood, the weather's horrible, it's just so depressing. I'm depressed, the weather's terrible, right? It's horrible. I guess it depends on what, what place in the world that you live, that you might say that more often. But the idea basically is that a person says, oh, I'm in depressed, I'm in a sad mood because of the weather. That means you're being controlled by your situation rather than you controlling your situation. So sometimes we blame things openly. Sometimes, you know, we're not going to be so bold and blame things openly. Um, now, it's okay for the weather to bother you. It's fine. It's okay for the outside things to affect you and to bother you, but it should not control you. Okay? Now, often you shift the blame from being from you and you allow your surroundings to control your feelings, your emotions, and ultimately your responses as well. And proactive means I take responsibility for my mood. It's a very, very powerful way that we act. And it's based on a lot of our decisions and nothing else. Actually, if you look at the word responsibility, take the word responsibility. Let's break up the word and try to understand it. Response-ability. Which means that the ability to choose your response basically means that highly proactive people don't blame their circumstances. Their behavior is a product of their own choice. And that's why responsibility, response, ability. You have the ability to respond. Now it takes working on. It takes working on the ability to be able to respond to every environment. We'll give some examples, you'll see. Now, the obvious makar to this is Bechira. Right? The Torah tells us very, very clearly that we have the choice to choose between good and bad. That means every single person has a conscious way of making every choice that they make, which will then translate into how they live, how they act, how they respond, and how many of the th- choices that they make in life basically come upon that as well. It means that the Torah is telling us that we have a choice of our behavior. Um, you can either be a choice of your behavior or you could be a victim of cir- circumstance. That's, that's the choice that basically most people have to make. The Mishnah in Perkyovas tells us very clearly, Ezu Gibor, what's a strong person? Someone that's able to conquer his Yitzhar. That means it might be hard. No one's saying it's easy, but it means you have the choice. And that's what Chazal are telling us in a very subtle way that every single person has a choice how to react. And it's up to us how we're going to react or are we going to be a victim of the circumstance that we are in. And the, the differences between them can be life-changing to you, to all relationships that you have, and to the life that you lead. Now, to be reactive, by the way, let's just call a spade a spade. To be reactive is the easiest thing to do. It's so much easier to be reactive. You ever heard a guy, oh, you just got me started. You just pushed my buttons. Now, you ever had, you ever, you had these things, right? You, did, you got me started. What do you want? You, you said those words. You got me started, right? You have such a thing, right? What does that mean? That means that you're not making a conscious decision how to react. You're blaming your environment. You're blaming, you're shifting the blame from you to somebody else. It's a very dangerous thing. And it can eventually come out in many, many of our relationships that we have. And it's very easy to do. (laughs) Many of us do this all the time. It's so easy to shift the blame. It's not us. We're not to blame. It's the weather. It's him. It's her. It's, as I said, we're going to get to many different examples. Now, it's very true. Genetics, upbringing, environment, many things can affect 
protect a person. Right nowadays in America, when somebody does something terrible, he can murder someone. In court, they will bring in psychiatrists and they will go through his upbringing and they will decide that, no, he's Potter. He's exempt. You know why? It's not his fault. He's a subject to his circumstances. Because look how he grew up. Look what type of home he had. Look what type of parents he had. Look what type of role models he had. It's not his fault. That's a big problem, by the way. If that's how the, the system of the court is working, that we're never blaming a person, we're just blaming him on his surroundings, that's very dangerous. That means anyone could do whatever he wants and blame it on everyone else. And that's a very unhealthy way of living, and it's a very unhealthy way of thinking, and, and affects many, many things. You know, imagine a guy comes late to every business meeting, and eventually his boss calls him aside and says, what are you doing? You come late to every meeting. I understand once or twice, but every meeting, what's going on? He says, listen, you have to understand. How I grew up, my parents were completely crazy when it came to like being punctual. They drove me mad. Everything had to be on time. We were there sometimes minutes before. They drove me mad. This is how I grew up. I, I, I developed an anxiety. And because of that, I definitely come late to every single meeting. So, hello? Are you crazy? You can't live life this way. This is not a mahaluch. A person has a, has, has, a, has a problem with his wife. And he comes complaining. You know, I have this problem, that problem. Because, you know, it's never, it's never him. It's always that, and it's always that, and it's always him, her, and everyone else. It's never him, because we don't take responsibility. It's the most unhealthy way of living, and a person will never improve. This is the very first step to improving, and you can see why. Because it goes to the depths of who you are, and how you react to every situation. At the end of the day, we all choose our responses. That is what this habit is. Be proactive. We can control our reactions. Yes, we're not saying outside factors can't hurt, can't you know, help things along the way, but ultimately, we choose to basically make our own decisions and our own responses. Stephen Covey gives an example. He says he was giving a lecture to hundreds and hundreds of people, and a lady gets up in the middle of the lecture and she starts shouting and screaming excitedly and nobody can understand, makes sense anything that she's saying. Nobody understands what she's saying. Eventually she's just embarrassed, you know, she just sits back down and everyone just, just sits down and no one understands what you're talking about. Stephen Covey is intrigued. Where, where's she coming from? She's very excited, she's very happy. What happened? So he goes over to her in the break and he says, can you tell me, explain, what happened? So she says, unbelievable. I work in an old age home and there's an old man there that I'm personally his private nurse He's the most grumpiest, horrible, negative. It's horrible. Every single nurse on the ward is waiting basically for him to die. We, we can't stand the guy. I come to work. I dread going to work. I come back at night. I'm like, whew, I managed another day. I can't stand it. And then you get up and saying that a person could choose. He was teaching the seven habits, as he did all over the world. You're getting up to say a person could choose their response. And I was getting up to say, are you crazy? And then I realized, you know something? Maybe you're right. Maybe I can choose to go into the old age home. I can choose to go into work and say, this is about me. I don't care about him. He's not going to affect who I am. He's not going to affect how I behave and how I respond. That's what it is. And that's a very, very powerful way at looking at many of the issues that we have. You know, Stephen Covey, for example, I'll just give you a little bit of an illustration that the difference between a proactive person and a reactive person, that he says that a, everyone has within their life two circles, Right? Two circles. The circle of influence, that's who you are, that's what's going on inside, and the circle of concern, that's going on, on the outside, outside influences. And he says that a proactive person is very busy with the inside. That's what we mentioned the last time in the Hagdom, in the introduction, about on the inside before you work on the outside. So he's working on his circle of influence, what he can influence on himself, what he can do for others, how he can react in a different way, how he can respond, how he can see things in a different way. 
And then there's the circle of concern, which we're not ignoring. We're not ignoring the circumstances or the environment that he's in, but it's of little concern because it's all about the inside. Whereas a reactive person is always focusing more on his concern, on the outside. What about that? What about that? What about that? What about that? And then maybe I'll get to my inside. Meaning, I'll work on the outside before I work on the inside. That's the difference between proactive and reactive. A proactive person realizes that he can make his own decisions. And he, he basically sums up that most of the problems we have fall into three categories. The category number one is what he calls direct control. Direct control is our own behavior. And category number two is indirect control. Problems with other people's behavior. And then he has category number three, which is no control whatsoever. Problems that we just cannot do anything about. He basically writes, and again I'm summarizing a lot of this, that the proactive approach is to take the first step in the solution of all of these three steps, or all of these three types of levels, and within the circle of influence within ourselves, and reach within ourselves and see how can we react and see things in a different way, which will in turn affect how we respond and how we behave as a human being. And he explains it in a very real way. And this I think will really drive the point very, very well. How do you determine which one are you? Now, often by now, many of us have figured it out which one we are and how we generally act and who we blame. Do we blame ourselves? Do we blame somebody else? But in a real way, he says very simple. The difference is between the haves and the bees. Which basically means like this. You have many people that are busy with the haves. If only I would have a better boss. If only I would have a more understanding wife. If only I would have easier children. If only I would have better pranasa. Their whole life is if only I would have... And then it will be better. It doesn't work that way. Whereas a reactive person is busy right now with the bees. I could be different. I can react different. I can see things differently. I can be different. I could be a different husband. I could be a better employer. I could be, in the, I could be a better person. That person is a proactive person. And that person changes the way he looks at the world, and he changes the way he behaves, and in turn that changes all his relationships and how he is as a person. And by the way, the biggest proof to this, and probably the first place that we find this in the Torah, is Yosef HaTzadik. Very simple. Yosef HaTzadik went through a terrible, terrible number of years, where he was sold in a pit, eventually sold down to Egypt, one of the worst places in the world for a tzaddik to be, in one of the low places of the world, and there he is, in prison. For doing nothing wrong. He didn't do anything wrong to deserve being in prison. But there he is. And he could have just cried and you know, buried himself in his sorrow. And said look what type of life this is. Where am I? My brothers are who knows where. And this is where I am. What a terrible life I has. If only I was free. And if only I was this. And it... But you know what he did? The Torah tells us very clearly. Yosef HaTzadik. And this was the turnaround point to his entire success. Holetzloch of Yosef HaTzadik. Which eventually led to Klali Sol leaving Mitzrayim. Everything. Was when Yosef HaTzadik saw two people who were sad. And he said, and the Torah tells us clearly, he went over and he said, why are you sad today? Yosef HaTzadik is being a proactive person. He's taking his situation and he's not blaming it. He's being someone that looks at something, I could do something, I can help someone, I could do something, I can, I can help something else. And look at that happened. That re- resulted in a chain of reactions that led to him becoming basically the second in command to the most powerful nation in the world because he was proactive. Because he took his situation and he didn't bury himself in the sand and say, well, that's terrible because that's the environment I'm in. What can I do about it? I'm sad, I'm upset. Absolutely not. He was proactive and he realized that he can do something. And that is the power of a human being. So 
one of the skills that can help us with this is number one, just knowing this. Just the knowledge to know that we could do this is number one. Number two, Stephen Covey calls it the pause button. He calls it the pause button. So really it comes from a balatanya. The balatanya is an incredible idea. And again, I'm I'm abbreviating this in, in a very short way, you understand, but the balatanya explains that every human being has a chalik within him of a behemoth, of an animal, and a chalik, a portion of an ishama. That's what we're made up of. We have animal characteristics, and we have kedusha, holy, neshama characteristics. And the Balatanya writes that the chalik of the behemoth that we have inside of us reacts very, very quickly. Why? An animal works with instinct. If you make a cow upset, he's going to be upset like this. He's not going to think about it first. He's just going to be upset, right? Because he's an animal. He works with animal instincts. He doesn't have time to think about his reactions. The chedek of the neshama knows better. And then the chedek of the neshama understands, one second, hold on a second. You need to think about this. Is this how you want to react? Maybe you don't want to react in this way. Maybe it's going to cause negative um, um, reactions and who knows what. The problem is, is that the chedek of our behemoth works a lot quicker and reacts much quicker. That's why this habit is very important, and that's why Stephen Covey calls it the pause one. Pause, stop, think for a second. Before you react, before you even, I'm not even talking about reacting in a physical way, but even in an emotional way, what's going on in your head, what are you thinking the moment you see something, the moment you hear something, what is your reaction? Pause, think for a moment. And that often will be a major difference in understanding between, between anything. The Kotzka Rebbe, the Kotzka, once said, we all know this saying, he once said that, you know, when I was young, I wanted to change the world. Then I realized, no, I'm not going to be able to manage to change the world. Uh, I'll change my country. Then he, I can't change that. I'll change my village, my little village. Can't do that either. Okay, I'll change my, my household. Then he realized, no, I'm just going to change myself. What's pshat? What does that mean? Kotska, you're responsible for Kalali you're responsible for all your Hasidim, for all your followers. What, what do you mean you, you can only change yourself? Because he realized that the essence of changing anybody else is within you. That means first you have to change yourself. And we spoke about this in the introduction at length. It all goes by what's on the inside, and then you can influence people on the outside. The Baal Shem Tov was once walking together with some of his Talmidim, and they met the local town water carrier, which was a very common thing in those days. There was a guy with a big piece of wood, with two pails on either side, and he's trudging along, along over there. And the Baal Shem Tov, in front of his Talmidim, said to the water carrier, Nu, how's business? And the guy straightens his, adjusted his pole over this, Rabbi, my life is terrible. It's an absolute disaster. My back is aching me. My shoulders are, are completely bruised from this, you know, weight over here. People don't respect me. I walk in and they're like, where are you? Where have you been? Without me, they wouldn't even have water. Right, they hardly pay me. Some paying credit. Some people don't even pay at all. It's a disaster. I, I can't cope with this. It's terrible. Business is terrible, Rabbi. Okay. The next day, the Balshentov was again walking with his Tamidi, with his students, and they met the same water carrier. And the Balshentov said, No, how are you doing? How's business today? Oh, Rabbi, business is wonderful. Everything is great. He said, I understand. You didn't tell me yesterday business was terrible? She said, Rabbi, what do you mean? That's true. That's true. I was upset. But today I'm happy. You know why? I have a wife. I have children. We're healthy. Yeah, I work hard. But it's very good to work. I'm busy. I make money. It's healthy to go out. I do some exercise on the way. It's wonderful. And some people don't even have work. So I'm very, very happy. Balshentov turned to his Talmidim. And he said, you know what? Happiness is not about the circumstances of our life. 
It's about how we perceive those circumstances. If we focus on the good, they seem good. If we focus on the aspects that seem bitter to us, then basically that's what life will seem like. And that's exactly what this is said. And this whole the whole habit is all about. And a habit means something that we have to get ingrained within us. It's not something we could just do for tomorrow morning and say, okay, yaitza. It's a habit. A habit is something that we can't stop doing. That's what we need to imp- implement in our lives. Can you imagine what a different life you're going to have if you implement this very first habit? Forget about the rest six. Just this one. You implement this idea that you're not a subject of your circumstances. You decide. Everything changes. Your whole life changes. Your relationship, your wife, your children. Yeah, everything changes. It's unbelievable. I've, I've said of this story, but I'm going to say it again. And I was thinking about, should I say it? Most of you have probably heard it. I said it in Elo. I'm going to say it again. Because it, it brings this point over again. There was an article written from a lady working in an old age home, a nursing home. And she talks about a 92-year-old man that very well put together, impeccably dressed, walks in to the nursing home at 8 o'clock a.m. with his hair combed. And his wife of 70 years passed away, which made the move to the nursing home very, very important. And uh, after many hours of waiting in the lobby of the, uh, of the nursing home for his room, the, uh, the nurse comes over to him and says, your room is ready, Mr. Jones. And he smiles very, very sweetly. And as she's walking him to his room, this is a 92-year-old man that's partially blind in one eye. She says to him, I want to tell you a bit about your room. It's a very nice, plush blue carpet. And there's a window overlooking the street. There's a nice air that comes in. And there's a painting on the wall that matches the carpet. And there's a bedside table. And she starts explaining him to the room. And he says, oh, I love it. Like, like an eight-year-old child taking a lollipop. I love it. And she says, Mr. Jones, why don't you wait till you see the room? You'll actually, you'll actually see what I'm talking about. You'll love it even more. To which he responded, happiness is something you decide ahead of time. Whether I like my room or not doesn't depend on how you arrange my room, but it depends on how I arrange my mind. I already decided to love it. And that is a mindset that if we would live with this mindset, our whole lives would change. And I just want to end with one last incredible idea. And please take this idea, because this is absolutely unbelievable. A group of highly successful people went to have a reunion with their old professor that they learned in college with. When they arrived, the professor went into the kitchen to bring everybody a coffee. Now, he didn't have one set of, you know, tea mugs or tea cups, whatever it was. So he had to get a random assortment of uh, different selections of mugs and cups. Some of them were china, some of them were glass, some of them were patterned, some of them were plain. And he made sure everyone got a coffee, and everybody of his students sat down on the couch, whatever it was. And as soon as everyone had their coffee and started sipping their coffee, the professor started to talk. And he said, notice everyone, that all the nice-looking cups over here had been taken, leaving the plain cups behind. The cheap, plain ones, nobody took those ones. And he said, it's always normal for a person to want the best for yourselves, but that's the source of problems and a lot of stress in your life. Be assured, he said, that the cup itself adds nothing to the quality of the coffee. It's just more expensive and often hides the coffee so you can barely notice what you're drinking. What you wanted was a coffee after all. Not the cup. But you consciously went for the nicer looking cup. And he explained. Life is the coffee. The jobs, the money, 
the positions that we hold in society is the cup. They're just the tools. They're just the tools that give a person a certain quality of life. The type of cup you have doesn't define or change the quality of life that you live. Sometimes by concentrating only on the cup, we fail to enjoy the coffee. Savor the coffee, not the cup. And he ended. The happiest people don't have the best of everything. They just make the best of everything. And that is this habit. We should be Zoycha. Let's look at this habit. Let's think about this habit for the next week. And Mitzvah Shem, next week, we'll meet again to start habit number two. Have a wonderful night.